You're listening to the Lucas Italy podcast with food, culture and history from the land of Antipasto and Arezzo. I'm Luca Marchiori and today I'll be talking about how a dish with wartime origins has become almost a religion in Italy. A few weeks ago, the New York Times published a recipe which has once again, according to the press at least, got Italians up in arms. The recipe for smoky tomato carbonara has once again unleashed the debate as to what carbonara actually is, but also how far you can go in adapting what's a classic dish of Italian cuisine. The recipe's completely upfront that it's not traditional, although as one comment notes, it slips up a little when describing the ingredients of what is currently considered a traditional carbonara. Um, it says that it should have parmigiano reggiano, whereas in fact it should have pecorino romano cheese. As you'll see shortly, however, I don't like using the word traditional for this recipe, so from now on I'm going to use the word accepted. Now, I think this recipe is pretty innocuous. Um, it's pretty much the accepted recipe with the addition of tomatoes, something which to my mind, and I haven't tried the recipe yet, would make it taste more akin to another recipe, um, the amatriciana. But once again, according to the press, it's attracted the ire of the Italians mad at food community. For those of you that don't know, Italians mad at food is a Facebook page created in 2017 that collects comments by Italians complaining at the way that foreign people mostly eat their food. Now, there are many reasons for this phenomenon, and some of it has to do with the Italian sense of humour, because Italians find this kind of reaction rather funny. But also, Italians sometimes seem angry when they're not, due to the animated way in which they discuss things. It could also have to do with publicity as well. A town, for example, who sees their local dish made wrongly might get angry about it as a publicity stunt. This certainly happened a little while ago with Amatrice and the Amatriciana because a chef on MasterChef suggested adding an ingredient which they said didn't go, and it got in all the press and caused a lot of publicity for the town. But also sometimes, and perhaps more seriously, I think it's because Italians are worried that their way of cooking, which they realise is a great strength of their country's culture, might get watered down or even cheapened. I mean, look at the way that pizza, for example, has transformed into junk food in certain parts of the world. And I think particularly the Neapolitans are a little bit upset about that. But I think also it's now become a thing. Interestingly, many of the Italians mad at food comments you see nowadays are also increasingly made by people who are not even Italian. And some of the comments are just plain wrong. Going back to the New York Times recipe, one person, for example, claims that carbonara, and I quote, literally means bacon and egg, which, as again, we'll see in a few minutes, it doesn't. Now, before we move on, it's also interesting to note that the Italians mad at food phenomenon started with a comment under a recipe for carbonara. Um, someone commented that this recipe is not carbonara, and that he was an Italian chef, and so he should know. And someone then asked him what, in his opinion, was carbonara. And another Italian commented below, carbonara is not an opinion. So what then, for the purists, is carbonara? Um, if you search the internet, you'll find that there are only four ingredients allowed. Guanciale, which is pork cheek, eggs, cheese, strictly pecorino romano and not parmigiano reggiano, and black pepper. 
you'll find that a lot of people say you can use pancetta instead of guanciale. The difference between the two is that guanciale, as I said, is pork cheek, whereas pancetta is cut from the belly of the pig. We're also told by the internet that abominations such as peas or even, now may nonna forgive us, cream are big no-nos in a carbonara. So where did the carbonara come from? Well, if we look at the name, the name alla carbonara is linked to the word carbonaro, which means someone who produces and sells charcoal or coal. Now, as you know, Italians love an origin myth, and there's an origin myth which I can't find the source for, which says that the dish was made by charcoal workers for lunch, as it required products which were easy to carry with them and didn't require preservation. Now, interestingly, there's an old family-run restaurant in Rome's Campo dei Fiori called La Carbonara, and the name comes from the fact that the founder's father had been a coal merchant who, when he retired in 1912, had opened an osteria, and he called his osteria Il Carbonaro, referring to himself. Now, although the restaurant now serves carbonara, there's no connection between the two. Although the restaurant mentions the dish several times on the website, there's no attempt to claim ownership. But perhaps the name of this restaurant and its origins gave rise to the legend that carbonara was invented by charcoal workers. It seems to me, however, that the name really was an invention in the Italian tradition of naming dishes after various professions. For example, alla boscaiola, which comes from the word for a woodsman, alla cacciatora, which comes from the word for hunter, alla marinara, which comes from the word for sailor, etc., etc. Now, I should make clear at this point that carbonara in Italy is considered to be a dish from Rome, and it forms part of what's considered to be the traditional Roman cuisine. And one of the best sources for traditional Roman cuisine is a book called La Cucina Romana, Roman Cooking, published in 1929 by Ada Boni. Now, if we look in Boni's book, we find all the dishes which are considered to be traditionally Roman today, except one. There's no mention of carbonara at all. So this gives us a date after which it must have been invented. Now, the first noted cultural reference to Carbonara is actually from a film called Cameriera Bella Presenza Offresi, um, A Beautiful Housemaid Offers Her Presence. And this was directed in 1951 by Giorgio Pastria, and it stars Elsa Merlini, Vittorio De Sica, and the really famous Alberto Sordi. Now, in the film, which, as the title suggests, is about a housemaid looking for work, someone conducts an informal interview with the protagonist, in which he asks, Scusi momento, senti un po'? Lei sa fare gli spaghetti alla carbonara? Excuse me, one moment, listen. Do you know how to make spaghetti alla carbonara? Now, the answer is no, but she reels off the many other dishes that she does know how to make, including the ones from the Roman tradition. And... For me, this scene suggests that carbonara was something fashionable in Rome at the time, but that not many people knew how to make, suggesting that it was something new. And this ties in with another explanation, which has the dish invented during the Second World War. Now, for many people, this story sounds much less likely than the one about the charcoal workers. And it says that the carbonara was invented during the Second World War because American troops stationed in Italy had bacon and dried eggs in their ration packs. 
and they would trade this with the Romans, who would then use them to make pasta, and thus carbonara was invented. Now, unlikely as this may seem, it is, however, backed up with evidence. A chef called Renato Gualandi from Bologna claimed that he made the dish for the first time on the 22nd of September 1944, when he was asked to cook a meal for the Allied generals to celebrate the meeting up of the British 8th Army with the American 5th Army. Now, in a later interview, he said that the Americans had lots of really good quality bacon, uh, which is similar to pancetta, um, powdered eggs, cheese, and wait for it, cream, which he mixed together and served with pasta. Yes, you heard me right, cream. Now, this is a bit shocking because, as we've seen before, cream is one of the ingredients which purists say must not go in a carbonara, and Italian purists claim that foreign people mess up the carbonara, putting cream in it because they don't know how to make the creamy consistency with the eggs. But there we have testimony that in the original recipe, there was cream. Now, Gualandi, it seems, was then employed as a chef for the American army in Rome for a year, and he made carbonara, and the knowledge of it spread to the local populace. Now, this story is now generally accepted as fact. And in fact, if you go online, there's uh, a video of Gualandi filmed as an old man with people making carbonara. And unfortunately, he passed away in 2016. Now, I also found another reference online in which there was an interview with a chef, and he said that another famous chef had told him that the Carbonara was born straight after the Second World War in a restaurant in Rome where the Americans used to come and give them their rations and ask them to make pasta with it. And in fact, this chef says that his mother who was a chef from the Roman tradition, um, didn't want to make it ever because she said that it used foreign ingredients and it had nothing to do with Roman cuisine. And in his famous book on Roman cuisine, La Cucina Romana e del Lazio, um, Livio Iannatoni says that the carbonara for him is something which is almost Roman. Um, it's half Roman because basically it's not a dish with a long, illustrious history, and it's something which was invented through foreign influence. So, just to recap, by 1951, carbonara as a dish was known in Rome, and I think many restaurants must have been serving it. And some of the clients were presumably American tourists who went home and asked local Italian restaurateurs to make it. And I think this because the first printed recipe for carbonara in the world uh, dates from 1952, and it was in an American magazine as part of a review for Armando's, which is a restaurant in Chicago. And then this was followed by the first Italian recipe, which was in the prestigious magazine La Cucina Italiana in 1954. Now, the American recipe is pretty much what we'd expect today, but the recipe in La Cucina Italiana included the following ingredients. Egg, pancetta, not guanciale, gruyere cheese, and wait for it, garlic. Again, if you search the internet, you'll find many instances of people putting garlic in carbonara and people getting mad at this, screaming that garlic doesn't go in carbonara. Now, the first recipe for carbonara in an Italian cookbook was from 1955, and this is from a book called La Signora in Cucina, 
um, The Woman in the Kitchen by Felix Dessy. It's a title which I think would be considered a little bit sexist today. Um, anyway, but this recipe uses pancetta, not guanciale, and uses parmigiano-reggiano cheese, but it notes that you could use pecorino romano cheese as an alternative if you want something a little bit more strong. Now, if you find recipes from the 1960s and 70s for carbonara printed in Italy, cream, it seems, was a common ingredient, along with many other things which we would consider extraneous today, such as wine, garlic, onion, and even red peppers. And it wasn't until the 1990s, really, that the current recipe seems to have been fixed and then become the sacred recipe it is today. And it's quite interesting to note that many of the people going nuts about carbonara on the internet are young people who would have been born from about 1990 onwards. Now, in my interview with Arcangelo Dandini a few weeks ago, um, it's also worth noting that he is considered to be one of the best carbonara chefs in Rome. While we were talking about the development of the soupli, he said that as recipes develop, they get added to, played around with, until at some point they reach a level when they can't be bettered, and at that point they become classics. And this is exactly what seems to have happened with the carbonara between 1950 and 1990. Another change that seems to have happened as well is the kind of pasta which carbonara is served with in Rome. Um, the earliest recipes are all for spaghetti. But if you look on a restaurant menu today, it's often served with tonnarelli, which is a kind of square-cut egg pasta spaghetti, or rigatoni, which are tubes with ridges. Tonnarelli, which are handmade, have become a little bit more popular than spaghetti recently because one, they are definitely from the Roman tradition, but also they fit in well with the fashion for artisanal food. Now, despite the presence of the small but very vociferous Italians mad at food community, it's also interesting to note that Romans themselves are not so precious about carbonara. If you look on the menus of the city's restaurants, you'll find all sorts of variations on carbonara, and nobody's going around throwing bricks through their windows. I know of one restaurant that has 11 variations on carbonara on the menu, with ingredients such as caramelised onion, zucchini flowers, broccoli, and they even do a completely vegan version using pumpkin and chestnut to get the creamy consistency of the sauce. Now, I'm going to leave you with a couple of little anecdotes that I found in an amazing article by Luca Cesari in Gambero Rosso, which is an Italian, famous Italian food magazine. And he has a theory that carbonara became very, very popular because it was associated with American Hollywood film stars. And he points to two articles that he found, one from 1952, in which it says that Gregory Peck was filming in Italy and he was staying in a villa outside Rome. Um, looking at the date 1952, presumably he was filming Roman Holiday with Audrey Hepburn. And in an interview with the Corriere della Sera, which is one of the most important Italian newspapers, the cook says that she had served him spaghetti alla carbonara. Obviously, unlike the cook in the film from a year before, she did know how to make carbonara. And another one is from 1957, and this comes from La Stampa Quotidiana, which is another important national newspaper. And this says that the actor Oliver Hardy from Laurel and Hardy was in Rome 
and that for lunch he ate five plates of carbonara, one chicken, half a carafe of frascati wine, and 40 pastries for dessert. So once again, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. And thank you very much again for the ratings and reviews that you've been giving me. This week's review comes from somebody called Sir John Dangerous. And he says, highly recommended, a great series, as entertaining as they are informative. These podcasts really take you into the heart of Italy's love for food. The Bacala episode, for example, is full of adventure, revelation, and deliciousness. And he gives me five stars. So thank you very, very much, uh, Sir John Dangerous. And I'm really glad that you have enjoyed these podcasts so far. So I'll be back next week with another slice of Italian food, culture and history. So until then, have a great week. Ciao.